The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. Thank you. Arigato. The Your Own Pay Podcast Network. Inspiring, motivating, and educating entrepreneurs around the world. It's Demasi and Michael, just talking tech. DM50. Show notes and more information available at yourownpay.com forward slash DM50. One of these days, we'll come up with a consistent way to actually... St- I think that gives us a unique sound. We we never know how we're going to open the episode. Yeah, man. And we don't need it. Like, look, this is... So, interestingly enough, I was talking to someone that works for a company in California. Michael knows what I'm talking about. But I think in order for me to be able to leave this in the episode, I can't really mention who anyhow i was doing a study for said company uh this past monday actually which would have been june 29th and we did a google meet and they wanted me to do some different things to show them how i navigate around the web etc etc using a screen reader but during the kind of introduction getting comfortable portion of that meeting at the beginning uh Ask kind of what I do with my computer and things like that. And I mentioned that, well, you know, I do a lot of one of the reasons I picked the Mac is because of some of the advanced audio capabilities that are there and that I also record a podcast. So maybe somebody from said company will be checking out our show because she did ask, uh, oh, where's your podcast at? And I was like, it's your own dot com slash DM show. There you go. There you go. Welcome to all of you listeners. Uh, I said this a couple of weeks ago and I'll repeat it again. We really appreciate all the feedback that everyone has been providing us and sharing with us to help make a better product. If you enjoy what you hear, don't forget to share it on your most active social network. So before we get into it, Demasi, you're an active social media network too. So even if you don't hang out over there, if you randomly still have an account at somewhere like uh i don't know google wave you know just post it over there too <laughs> just in case yeah share it share it just just share it demasi last time we recorded on dm49 i made an offhanded comment that i wanted to talk a little about affiliate marketing and we don't have in place what i wanted to get in place before we brought it up but i also wanted to share with people what affiliate marketing is so real quick i'm going to go into that and then we can transition into some of these other topics we have on the google doc Give people a quick rundown of affiliate marketing and an example. And if you have anything else to add, go ahead and do so. So for those who don't know, affiliate marketing is a way that companies can acquire new customers or leads. Uh, When I got started online, I got started with what was called CPA marketing or cost per acquisition marketing. And what that was, was for each individual who signed up for a company, I got paid between $50 to $100. So affiliate marketing is a way that website publishers, such as us over at Your Own Pay, we can publish a link that when you click on it will track back to the fact that you came from yourownpay.com. An example of this is what I like to go back to often, and that's ConvertKit. If you clicked on a link where I mentioned ConvertKit and it goes over to ConvertKit's website, that is a unique link that is tagged to me. Uh, And what happens is you can sign up for a free account with ConvertKit and get all the free features they offer. And if you enjoy using that tool and you decide 
decide to upgrade to their $29 a month plan, I get paid $8.70 or 30% of the uh, monthly sale that can, that ConvertKit gets. Now, some affiliate marketing opportunities are one-time, which means if you sign up for a hosting company, for example, you'll the publisher will get paid a larger amount, but only once. And some affiliate marketing opportunities are reoccurring, which means for as long as someone keeps the membership or service, then the publisher will get paid. Often, it's a way that people make a lot of money on, like a lot of money online, especially when you go to review sites and you see that they're reviewing different hardware or different software. They're going to have links to those companies, if done right, that will uh, give the publisher a kickback for you making a purchase for the product or service. At any time, you can Google the name of the company and just go to their link or just go to thatcompany.com or whatever they're doing domain as directly if for some reason you don't want to support the publisher, but know that supporting the publisher with affiliate links doesn't cost you extra money. So that's the quick recap of affiliate marketing. If you want more information about it, head on over to youronpay.com slash DM50, sign up for the mailing list, and maybe we'll talk more about it in future. Demos, do you have anything else you want to add to it? I've been an affiliate for several things uh, for a while. Most well, I will say most of the programs that I have been a member of are a one-time payment. Uh, haven't really encountered too many that were recurring. Uh, two things, if you're getting into affiliate marketing or if you're interested in it, uh, you probably have started to notice this at a lot of websites like review sites or a blog that tends to review things in their area of focus. Uh, you usually will see some sort of disclosure uh, about the fact that some links may be affiliate links uh, because the FTC uh, requires you to uh, disclose said fact. If you're ethical, as we are, and I don't, I don't say that to toot our horn, but it, it is seriously true. Like We have never recommended a product that we have not ever used or recommend a product that we don't like or that we have. We sometimes recommend something we used to use because it may work for you know the situation that a person is in that that product is the best thing for them to use. Uh, but we don't recommend anything just because we will receive some sort of compensation for you clicking a link and buying something. Uh, so those are the ethics around affiliate marketing. You want it to be relevant to your audience and you only want to talk about products that you're familiar with, that you trust the brand, that you have used or would use yourself. It's OK if you are not necessarily a user of a product. So as Mike pointed out with ConvertKit, for example, like Mike has moved away from using ConvertKit as his news, uh, email newsletter marketing service, but he still recommends ConvertKit because overall ConvertKit is still a pretty good service. Uh, and they also now offer a free plan, which can help people get started building their list without that uh, outlay of cash. And as you said, if you like it, you enjoy it, you're getting uh, great use out of it and you're able to build your business or build your service online using ConvertKit and you start to pay for it. That's when Mike starts to get paid from ConvertKit is when you start to pay ConvertKit. You know, and you we in previous episodes, you've heard Mike complain about the things that he doesn't like about ConvertKit. <laughs> and anytime I've seen Mike link 
you know, write a post or anything that links to uh, ConvertKit with his affiliate link, he will point out the, the accessibility issues uh, that he has encountered with ConvertKit. So it, it, there's, you know, to me, that's a very ethical way to do things like, hey, I like this product. I have used it, you know, for whatever reasons I have moved on, not because they're crap all of a sudden, but it's like, you know, they weren't meeting my needs in the way I needed them met, uh, which is what Mike's reasoning was for moving over to AWeber. But uh, it's still a great service. I recently recommended uh, ConvertKit to a friend of ours, actually, <laughs> uh, for the same reason. Like, I don't use it myself, but I, you know, I'm a different sort of person. Give me an opportunity to try to go build something. I'll probably try to go and build it. And, uh, and you have used it. You've logged into it. Maybe not for yourself, yeah. but you've you've observed. Well, I, I've end. used it for myself at one point right. in time uh, when, when I was consistently or at least semi-consistently writing on uh, Demasi.org. I was using ConvertKit for a while because it was the easiest newsletter service to get up that was accessible enough for the things I wanted to do with it. Like I wasn't trying to do automations or anything like that at the time anyway. Uh, but it was a whole lot better giving them. I think uh, I had a special rate or something for a minute of 19 mm. bucks. Yeah. Uh, but it was better for me and much less time wasted to give them 19 bucks a month than it was to use MailChimp for free and deal with headaches. Now, one company that does not provide us an affiliate link, but I'd really appreciate it if they did, was Apple, who recently released their WWDC uh, event. Demasi, what did you think of this event? Did you watch it live or not? I did watch it live. I missed some bits and pieces uh, here and there, and I actually haven't made the time to go back and watch. I uh, also haven't watched the any of the uh, sessions either. Uh, it's kind of on my list of things to do, but I was really, so first it was all pre-recorded uh, from my understanding. Yep. And it was a great, it was, it was a great uh, W. Honestly, the way that they did it this year, like I wish they would, at least the presentation part of, I can understand why people are, you know, missing the in-person meetings and hanging out with their friends that they don't get to see except for WWDC, like that stuff I get. But the way the presentation was done, I wish they would do the presentation, the keynote uh presentation like that every year because it was very quick it was very dense there was a lot of information there and even then they left off left off a lot of things that you know were major features uh and they still you know kept it up under two hours but it was very quick like it flowed very smoothly you know didn't have to break for the applause and you know break for the this and the, that and the other, you know, people walking off stage and coming back on stage and all of that. Like there, there weren't any breaks for that. So it was just like a, a recording where they just transitioned into everything. Uh, so I like the flow of it. That's the general consistency I've heard throughout the different tech reporting outlets is that, that a lot of people liked the general flow of it. If you missed it, like I did, there is a link. I put that in the Google doc, so it will make it to the show notes over at your slash DM 50 to the keynote. And I think you can get it's the, uh, events page on Apple's website, and I think you can get to some of the other events. Um, so let's let's talk a little about, and I think this is what you meant when you added this to the Google Doc about the uh, announcements that they made. First of all, do you want to touch on iOS fourteen? So iOS fourteen. First of all, the beta, the, the beta one, which is where we are right now for developers as we're recording, is uh, beta one is actually really solid like it's not quite as good i would say as ios 12 was 
uh, for anyone listening that remembers the iOS 12 beta, uh, most people, you know, started referring to iOS 12 for a very long time as, you know, it's just like 11.5 you know, or 11.6 because it was very, very solid. Uh, 14 is pretty solid. There, there's some random glitches here, but most of that, I think, are kind of expected bugs for some of the features that they added, but it's extremely solid. I am running it on my uh, iPhone. Uh, that I use every day. Yep, I know it's crazy, but I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> right? It's not like I'm out here. It's like, oh man, all of a sudden maps stop working. Like, well, I'm just in the backyard. Like, <laughs> I hope I know my way back go. inside. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Uh, man, but it, it is really solid. Most of the features they added are needed features or really kind of expanding or building upon things that they have done. And so I don't think they're like any. Not that I can think of off the top of my head, any new spectacular, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did this. Like everything that they have done seems like a logical step in the process of building the OS, continue to expand the OS. Uh, widgets are now available on your home screen, uh, which are pretty cool. Right now, there's only Apple stuff. So, uh, of course, we don't know how other developers are going to do their widgets, uh, but they give you multiple sizes. The difference in the home screen widgets now versus the widgets that were available in the today view are that the widgets on the home screen in iOS 14 uh, are not, they're not little mini applets is the best way I can think to put it. So, uh, for example, I use pCalc uh, as the calculator app on iOS and pCalc had a widget uh, in all prior versions since iOS 10, I believe. Uh a widget, a full blown, you know, basic calculator, you know, with all the numbers and addition, subtraction, uh, multiplication and division uh, symbols in the widget. So you, I could just swipe over to the today view uh, and do a quick, basic calculation just in the widget. I didn't have to open the app, which was extremely nice and was probably also somewhat uh, very weird for the developer of PCAL because I've heard a lot of people say this, which is they just set up the widget and they never opened PCAL because like they didn't need him. They weren't using PCAL's advanced engineering mm -hmm. calculator functions. They just wanted to do some, you know, uh, what is 20% off of this thing or something, right? Or, 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 you know, whatever, like just basic calculations. You could all do it in the widget. So it's like, man, I bought your app. Uh, but I'll never open it. <laughs> Just use the widget. <laughs> Those are gone. Basically, all you can do with widgets on iOS 14 is, I would say, if you have an Apple Watch, the way that, uh, this is the closest way I can make it a simple explanation. If you have an Apple Watch, uh, the way that complications work on the watch are essentially the way that the new widgets work on iOS 14 on your iPhone's home screen. Okay. Uh, so your weather app will show you weather and it will periodically update itself throughout the day so that, you know, you're seeing the correct temperature. But when you tap on it, it's not going to let you do any functions. This is going to launch you into the app. Uh, now developers can set specific deep locations inside of their app where a tap will take you. So let's say if you're looking at a calendar widget, for example, and it just shows the number of appointments that you have today. Uh, and you know, uh, you tap on one of the events that you have, you know, Fantastical or Apple's calendar, which it may do this now, could launch you into the view of that 
specific event. Uh, whereas if you tap on a different section of the widget, maybe it launches you into just to the entire today view showing uh-huh. everything listed for you. So there's some functionality, but it's really more just glanceable information, uh, just like the complications on the watch. I would say probably the big headlining features have added some new stuff to messages. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about some of the other features as the summer progresses and as I spend more time with it. Uh, and Mike, you know, potentially spends more time with it because Mike is using an iPhone sometimes, kind of, <laughs> sort of, uh, a little bit. Uh, I would say probably the biggest features, uh, across the iOS devices that I can think of would be, uh, at some point, because I don't think you can currently do it right now in beta one, you will be able to set a third party app for your default mail client and web browser. Uh-huh. Uh, we did not get calendars, which is what I really want. Yeah. Uh, that... More than those other two things. I just wanted calendars. calendars to be yep. Yep. Now, uh, I got to ask you, because it's the elephant in the closet. Because I'm in a closet, so I'm going to use closet. <laughs> what do you think of the new there. app drawer? Yeah, that is the other feature, the app library. Yeah. So, you know, now all of your apps will be in a, I think it's interesting. I think it needs some refinement, which I expected to get over the beta cycle. If this, if the current implementation or the current way that it functions right now were a release version of it, I would hate it. Uh, well, hate is probably too strong of a word. <laughs> I would dislike it because there are things that I dislike about it. But most of what I think are issues are really what I consider to be like is still a feature that's in progress. Like they still have work to do. They still have some refinements to do before uh, it's released as the, you know, new release of iOS 14, uh, probably in September. Uh, But overall, I do like the idea. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't, I never really considered Apple doing such a thing, but that is a feature that I did like from Android, which uh, is the app drawer that's on Android, because then you don't have to have 17 screens of applications because you got a bunch of apps on your devices. Like, here's this one place that contains everything. Uh, makes logical sense. What I would say I don't, or the issues I currently have with it right now, though, would be it's a little jittery with navigation if you're trying to flick through just everything that's on the list. Uh, I can sort of understand some of the little categories they kind of try to split things off into, uh, but then sometimes they don't make sense. <laughs> uh, it's like utilities are things I would expect to see up under what they categorize as utilities because in the app store it's a utility, but it's not under there. And the only way to get the list view of all of your apps listed in alphabetical order is to tap into the search field first. Um, ah, so okay. that's a little weird. Uh, that's something they need to. Uh, make allowances for also if you have an app that's only available like you can only see it in the app drawer right now in beta one to move that app let's say you want to drag it out and put it on your home screen you can't use the move actions that voiceover users have gotten used to which is flick down to edit mode double tap uh, flick down or up to drag, double tap, and then now you're dragging that application and then swipe over to where you want to, you know, drop it at and flick down to the appropriate drop action and, and double tap. That will not get that app moved for you out of the app drawer. You have to double tap and hold on the application itself once you're in edit mode. Drag it over to the edge of the screen, left side of your screen, so that it will move over to 
an actual home screen page <laughs> and then you can let it go and then use the the typical uh voiceover mover application uh rotor actions to move it once it's on an actual home screen but you can't use those to get it out of the drawer i feel like that's a bug not an intentional mm-hmm. behavior because it doesn't make sense first of all and it's not consistent but overall i like it uh I, I think it is a good move i have hidden all of my screens except for two uh, which is the other thing that is new in 14. You can hide specific uh, home screens. So if you don't want to, you know, see pages three through seven on your iOS device, because it's just a bunch of apps, uh, you can hide those and then, you know, organize your first two screens the way that you want and fetch everything else from the app drawer or search. There you go. Uh, which I still find myself doing more of to get to an app because I'm, I've just gotten extremely used to doing that over the past couple of years. I just search for it. If it's not on the first two screens where muscle memory will take me to it, uh, it's just a search and then I'll get it. And remember, this is beta one. Uh, so things will change over the summer. Take what we have shared with you guys on this episode with a grain of salt. I want to throw in a couple of more things that are features. Public betas should be out sometime in July. Uh, be careful. Uh, I would say wait if you're interested at all until, uh, much dumber people like me tell you that, oh, no, it's fine uh, <laughs> before you install it. Shortcuts got a new, few new features. One, we now have shortcuts on the Apple Watch. So that's back because uh, uh, the Workflow app used to be available on Apple Watch. So we now have the ability to use shortcuts on the watch and set them as complications. So you can set individual shortcuts to a complication. So on one of my watch faces, for example, I have... Uh, three complications, all, uh, you know, three different shortcuts. Shit, you uh, are ballsy. Complications. Huh? I think you are ballsy. I was getting ready to ask if you're running beta on your watch, and then you said one of your <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> Look, you don't get the full experience, dude. You don't. You don't. <laughs> they don't talk to each other right if you got your phone on a beta OS and your watch is on Stable. an old OS. Yep, and it's yep. like, yeah, it's just, it gets a little. Uh, but yeah, so shortcuts on the watch. That's nice. And. Uh, shortcut features of note that I think are going to make me start using shortcuts, at least the automations of shortcuts more uh, this year. So they introduced automations for shortcuts. I want to say it was last year. Uh, yeah, it was last year. And you can have shortcuts. You could build a, a an automation inside of shortcuts and a personal automation or a uh, home automation. And personal automations could be triggered uh by several things. So when you arrive at a location, when you left the location, uh, things like that, when you connected to Bluetooth, when you disconnected, but all it would do is give you a notification that you will have to tap on in order for the shortcut to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have lifted that restriction in iOS 14 in shortcuts uh, for all except one uh, trigger uh, location triggers still are only going to give you a notification. So leaving or arriving at a location are going to still present notifications that you will have to interact with. But for time of day, uh, battery level to new ones, which are when you receive an email uh, or receive a message from a specific contact opening an app or closing an application uh, when your battery level it is, is at a certain percentage. Uh 
when you connect your device to power, when you disconnect from power and CarPlay and a couple other things, uh, they you can have those automatically just run. So you don't have to interact with them. They will just do the thing that you want them, that you have built that shortcut to do, uh, which is fairly nice. Uh, it's extremely nice. It actually is going to make animations, automations for me. Uh, this year, uh, a much more interesting thing because I can have stuff trigger at a specific time of day. Couple that we didn't get again, calendar. Like it would have been nice if, if there's a calendar event, then do this. Uh, like, eh, nope, didn't get that one. But yeah, I think, you know, as I said, we'll continue talking about the betas of iOS. Uh, I have not touched a beta of Mac OS at all. So, uh, not going there. <laughs> uh, and I haven't put it on TVOS uh, either. Uh, and I don't have an iPad, so I can't put it on the kids' iPad because, well, you know, it's kids. Yeah, yeah, they need uh, stability. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, I actually held them back from 13 for a long time last year. Uh, before I and you still never got stability. <laughs> oh, man, who you telling? Who you telling? <laughs> uh I would say probably the one thing that we haven't mentioned related to the keynote would be, well, Mac OS does go to 11. Uh, they finally got rid of OS, Mac OS 10 point whatever. whatever. Like. Yep. So funnily enough, too, uh, before we move into the next topic uh, related to 11 is I was catching up on my RSS news feeds and I saw that someone wrote posted an article and in the title uh, I guess they missed it and had not yet you know trying to beat everybody else out with their post uh, Apple releases Mac OS 10.16 Big Sur <laughs> it's like yeah I guess you missed the slide that everybody was talking about where they said it's Mac OS 11 now so huh. yeah. I wonder if they updated the article but speaking of 11s and beta testing software, Mike is, uh, Mike, Mike is doing a lot this summer because he's apparently right now beta testing or playing around with iOS 14. Uh, and he's also, uh, Mike, are you still on the beta of Android 11? I guess is the question because I, I, I keep forgetting whether you're there or you're not there. <laughs> I forget whether I'm there or not too sometimes. No, I am running stable version 10 right now. Uh, because I, I was just having some, some talkback quirks with, uh, Android 11. It, I, I would wait a couple more iterations. Um, so th for those who don't know, Android 11 is out as a public beta. And so I, of course, went and installed it on my pixel and, you can get things done, but some of the things like sending audio messages inside of messages or Telegram or WhatsApp uh, is a little difficult because you can't double tap and hold on icons. I think this comes into some of the stuff that the Google accessibility team is working on for public release of Android 11. Uh, unfortunately, with beta, you will run into bugs, and I think this is hopefully one of those bugs and will be resolved in the near future. Uh, I also was running into some little quirks of, of being able to access different apps, 
there were some apps where I had to turn TalkBack off and then touch in the relative place on the screen, which was okay, but it kind of made my workflow a little more difficult. However, since I have removed the Android 11 beta and switched back to Android 10, I've learned more about how to access some of the Android features. So in our previous episode, I think I mentioned that I really was fond of the uh, notifications way that things were sorted and how conversations can be floated to the top of your notifications so you didn't miss them. Side note, that's one of the features that I hope eventually will come that was released in iOS 14, but I haven't seen it in Android 11, and that is being able to pin conversations inside of messages. So hopefully that'll come in the near future. Uh, So I... Really liked that feature, um, got used to it a little too much that it, when it wasn't available in Android 10, I'm like, well, where are my messages? I know I got a message. Now I have to go through my notifications and find that message. Um, so, you know, one, one of those features that I really got used to. And then the other one I mentioned in DM49 was about being able to route audio and send it to different devices right from the notification center. I had mentioned that I didn't uh, know how that worked and I hadn't observed it. Well, today I was reading an article from Flow and I'll see if I can find it and maybe put it in the show notes. I say maybe because there's a lot of ads that are in that article and it was driving me crazy, mm. but I did make it through it. Uh, but the the feature is in the developer settings of settings on Android. So you have to go to settings and then about and then tap or double tap on the build number i think it's seven times it'll walk you through it just do it multiple times it'll start counting down and then that'll enable the developer mode and then you go and you turn this this function on and then you can actually route the audio from your headphones or you can have headphones going and play um your audio through the speaker of your phone so an example that came to mind for me was i always have a pair of earbuds in always uh well except for when demasi and i are recording and then i have headphones on uh and when i I am doing that. I might want to play audio from Pocket Cast on the speaker of my phone, but keep TalkBack in my headphones. So I, f- I presume that that's how this is going to work. I haven't actually tested it, but that could be very useful, especially for accessibility reasons. Uh, and I don't know, but maybe you can start sending TalkBack different places and keep your uh, media playing in your headphones. So uh, I'll be playing with that again when the next beta drops. I do recommend if you are trying out betas, maybe poke around in the developer settings as well, because you might find some uh, hidden features in there uh, for some people as well in, in different places. So that's my experience with Android 11. It's it's mixed. I'm excited to see where they go. I have told a couple of people that I am interested in what iOS is doing as well. It's kind of a fun time because the choices are substantial. Like you, you have the ability to choose what you want to do with your, uh, Sorry, Demasi, I was reading through the Google Doc and I saw something about food numbs, I thought, and I'm like, what the hell is that? 
Uh, so you have the ability to choose what platform is going to work best for you. And both of them are getting automation. Really, we are we are transitioning to a time where we have little computers in our pockets with the new features that are available in iOS 14 with shortcuts and uh, Tasker or some automation features that I suspect will be coming to Android as well that they kind of started hinting at with Android 10. Uh, good times are coming. Now, one thing I do want to tell you, and then we can transition to this next topic, whatever Demasi was talking about, is that Android 11, uh, it was made aware to me yesterday on a DTNS podcast, I think, that Android 11 will have these great features such as surfacing messages, notifications, and and some of the other, uh, the, the, and the home control that's in your power screen. These features can be disabled by, by your manufacturer. So if you're not running a Google mm. native phone, potential is that you may not have some or all of the features. The example was given, and we haven't confirmed this because obviously Android 11 isn't released yet, but the example was given, well, maybe Samsung doesn't want to put Google's home controls in your lock screen because Samsung has their own home system that they'd like mm. to add to your lock screen. So. Keep that with a grain of salt. There are pros and cons to having a op more open system like Android than iOS. And, and yeah, there's there's pros and cons. So I'm excited to see what happens. Um, and Demasi, any is feedback? There any sort of, is there any sort of reader mode uh, for Android? There is what's called simplified view in Chrome. And that will typically take out the menu links and the ads and that may be worth exploring more i i don't use it consistently enough so i can't walk through someone through it aside from the fact that when you get to a web page that supports it you'll hear reader mode and and you can enable it now what i use more often than reader mode is a cool feature that was added earlier this year that when you're on a page with an article on it you can squeeze your phone on the pixel and say, read this. And uh, Google <laughs> assistant will read that article to you. And so I use that quite often because it will then skip over the ads and skip over uh -huh. the links. Now you can't control the playback speed right now uh, or anything like that. So you couldn't speed it up, but it is available as something to read to you. And then you can pause that reading and then get back to it in your notifications. And if you are interested in reading that article again, or you pause it and you go do something else and you come back a couple hours later, that notification with the uh, rewind 30 seconds, play pause and fast forward 30 seconds will be in your notifications unless you hit the stop reading and dismiss this notification, which I think is super convenient uh, for future reading. Cool. Yeah, I was just curious because you mentioned the, the, the article with a ton of ass. I was like, I really hate all of the. I hate all of the ass. Some people have tasteful ass and they don't get in the way, uh, but more and more. Uh, I'm learning about uh, medication I don't need because they're 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 using like I can't remember the name of one of them but one of those ad networks that just puts whatever the hell they want has no relation to the content that you're reading. Mm. Now, if it was related to the content I was reading, I'd be more open to the ads. But no, something tells me I have psoriasis or something like that. <laughs> yeah, one site that I I haven't. Uh 
I never was a big reader of iMore uh, to begin with, but man, like I was trying to read an article on iMore the mm. other day, and it's like there's so many ads. The page is so slow. Maybe this is why these companies need to explore more affiliate marketing. So with the upgrading and downgrading to beta back to stable, I really didn't want to lose my text messages. And I've had some mixed experiences with the backup utility inside of Android. And as you know, more, more than likely, uh, going from a backup made in Android 11 or a newer operating system back to the stable version of the operating system and restoring that backup in a lot of cases, does not turn out the way you might expect. So my most of my items that I have on my phone are saved in Google Drive. Uh, that is my number one tool, I think, in, Google, in uh, Android. But the one thing that I haven't been able to, well, I hadn't been able to consistently find a reliable way to keep backed up was my text messages and call logs. Uh, I've got some text messages on my Android phone from March of this year through now. And the reason I only have them from March is because I hadn't found this app that I want to mention yet. And then when I found it, I'm like, well, that's nice because the, when I went up to Android 11, I did not restore my phone to factory defaults, which also could have played into some of the problems I was having. However, I did have to restore my phone to factory default when I downgraded from Android 11 to Android 10, which just meant that I needed to reinstall all of the apps that I had. And if I wanted my text messages back, I needed to use SMS backup and restore. Now, this is a free utility that will back up your text messages as you tell it to. Or my favorite feature is that I have an automated setup for SMS backup and restore to backup my text messages and call logs at 3.45 a.m. every morning. This goes into Google Drive into a SMS backup and restore folder that I created so they don't clog up my root directory of Google Drive, which did happen when I first set up this app is I didn't create a subdirectory. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> then uh, what, I, what I can do then is if I decide tomorrow or if I decide when we get off this call that I want to restore my phone and upgrade it to Android 11 and then restore it again and do whatever I want, I always have, at the absolute worst, up until 3.45 a.m. this morning of backups that I can easily restore. Now, another nice feature is that you can go into SMS Backup and Restore and hit Backup Now right before you reset your phone. So if I don't forget to do that, then I can literally have every text message that I've received up until the point where I restore my phone, and then I can restore those text messages, and it will merge with any existing conversations. So that way you have all of your text messages, all of your call logs, um, from when you are like when you restore that phone. So I really love this app. Uh, full disclosure, I am not paying for the pro version, which my observations are just removes the ads. I was literally just bitching about ads, but I don't want to pay for an app to just remove the ads. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you could set up some sort of tasker action that would watch. Uh, so if it detected like you were trying to do a phone reset, it would pop up alert and say, "Hey, did you back up?" That would be something clever to play with. I should I should play with that and see if I can set something like that up because that would be good. Uh, 
Right now, that's my workflow, though, is I will jump into SMS, backup and restore, hit backup. It takes probably 20, 30 seconds now that we've upgraded our internet a little. And then I jump back into settings and I go and I rest- or I uh, do the system restore or I do the upgrade. So that's my cool app that I wanted to mention today. What about you, Demas? Are you playing with anything fun on iOS? So I'm not really playing with anything new per se, but I am continuing to uh, build and, and, you know, be more proactive about my health. Uh, so one way that I'm doing that is tracking my calorie intake or my food intake in general, uh, what I'm eating. And the app that I settled on to do this on iOS is called Food Noms. Uh, it's a free app with an in-app purchase i believe it may be a subscription uh for some additional features but the basic functionality that i'm going to talk to you about uh is actually free uh because i have not paid for the in-app subscription myself uh basically what food knobs is anybody familiar with my fitness pal it is very much like that application except it is a lot more secure because everything is done on device so there is actually Uh, Your information that you log is only on your device and is stored in your health app. Now, that doesn't mean it can be backed up to iCloud using iCloud backup or using other uh, backup tools like iMazing on the Mac or Windows to back up your device. That information will be contained there. Uh, But there's no centralized server for you to, you know, host all of your information and anybody to sell, you know, data about what you're eating, what you like, et cetera, et cetera. None of that is going on. There is a centralized database where you can pull information from. So essentially what this app is going to do is you can enter in a thing, enter in something that you've eaten. Uh, You can scan the barcode of a package uh, or you can search for something. and the searches, you I would say, be very specific. Like, don't just type in chicken because you're going to be <laughs> through chicken items forever. Uh, type in, if you had chicken, uh, you know, fried chicken drumsticks, type in fried chicken drumsticks or at least chicken drumsticks uh, <laughs> to narrow down the list. Right. But basically, you add the thing that you ate. It has a pretty big database and it's, it's growing because he's, uh, the developer recently added the ability for uh, users to contribute back to the database so that they can continue to expand it. Uh, so, for example, I scanned a bag of chips. Everybody that talks about food tracking apps always starts with a bag of chips. <laughs> but I did scan a bag of trip, a uh, bag of chips, uh, and it told me that they were ruffles, plain, um, and told me about you know how many calories were in a serving, et cetera, et cetera. And I was able to add that as like this was a snack. Uh, I never use my fitness pal personally, uh, but one of the things that I like about this app and that other people who previously used uh, my fitness pal uh, before I told them to stop using it because they had been hacked. Too, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, likes the fact that one is it's fairly easy and accessible to scan something with this, first of all, uh, to get a barcode. If you have an idea where the barcode probably is. 
uh, is pretty straightforward. But searching for something is also pretty easy. But what I like is that you can you have different options. So something can be a snack. Something can just be a one time thing. You log. You can build out a meal. So uh, like Mike seems to have tacos quite a bit at his house. He could save the taco and whatever else they eat with the tacos uh, as a meal. So the next time he has tacos, he can just log that meal huh. without having to go through all of the extra steps of saying, well, I had a taco and I had, uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, typically I don't really eat anything with tacos. You eat anything with your tacos? No, not really. But maybe you need to include what you put in it. Like I had yeah, tacos with sour also. cream and Tabasco sauce or something. Yeah, yeah. And you can also do that. So you can, you can, you know, make up a meal out of the uh, foods that make up that meal. So let's say, you know, uh, grilled chicken and mashed potatoes uh, and fried mashed potatoes and corn, right? That could be a meal. Or as you just stated, Mike, like you can make the meal be the ingredients that made up the dish. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you could say, you know, tacos with this, that and other stuff in it. Or if it's, you know, like I have, and I'm pretty sure you have, Mike, because you're a cook. You cook just like I do. Some random shit that you just made yep. up, like it don't have a name. Yeah, <laughs> you just made yep. it up. But you could uh, give it a name and add. But the you ingredients can give it a name and put the ingredients in. Yeah, and then now you're able to track that based off the ingredients. It would make up a reasonable facsimile of what you actually ate uh, and how many calories you took. And it also includes things like you know the zinc levels and the salt levels of things, etc. Another thing that is super cool about it, I have not started to pay for this feature, but one of the paid features you get are what they call estimations. So I don't know how many chips I ate. <laughs> I just grabbed like two handfuls of chips and threw them on a paper plate and then I ate them. Like, uh, was that a serving? Was it two servings? Was right. it four? I don't know. Uh, but with food noms, uh, I believe this is just a paid feature. You're able to say, well, I think I ate about two servings right so it'll it'll adjust for that and give you a little bit more flexibility with the actual calorie intake uh you can obviously set goals so like if you're trying to either cut back on calories or meet a specific calorie goal you can track that track your progress and your achievements on that fairly nice app uh as i said really accessible and as I continue to kind of be more health aware and try to pay attention to what I'm doing and be be more conscious of what I'm eating and how I'm eating also, uh, this is the first app that I encountered that made me actually use it. Like I actually take the time to use it. They do also have shortcut support. So I will be huh. probably looking at building out some shortcuts to make some, especially since now I can run them from my watch. Uh, I will be able to maybe hopefully build some shortcuts that'll let me very quickly log at least the typical things, mm-hmm. you know, coffee intake, uh, you know, stuff like that. But nice app for tracking your calories and all of that good stuff. And Mike recently got the wise scale, which could also be used in conjunction with something like food noms if you're attempting to lose weight or possibly gain weight if you're a teenage boy that wants to play football or something. But Mike, how is the scale going since you've had it for what, about two weeks now? Yeah, two, three weeks now. It's it's going. Uh, scale is still in the bathroom. I haven't gotten frustrated with it and thrown it out the window. I've become more comfortable with it. So at yourownpay.com forward slash DM50 in the resources heading, I will put a link to it for people who are interested. I have created custom labels for each of the, 
Well, a majority of the unlabeled buttons inside of the app for TalkBack users. You can download this and import it into your TalkBack uh, app, which is super cool. And then you can have access to all the pertinent information you need. Now, I need some other people to test it because I only have the Wise scale. I don't have any Wise bulbs and we may be getting a wise lock i will let you guys know soon but i want to i'm curious how my labels will interact with other devices that aren't just the scale because i don't know how the app will change uh but it's going pretty well i'm tracking my weight in google fit and it's keeping that data i haven't pulled it up to see if i can see what previous weights were in google fit but in the wise app now that i have more familiarity with the app itself i can pull previous data for my heart rate so i can see what my heart rate was like two weeks ago or a week ago and i can also pull my weight and see you know how much i'm fluctuating if at all so things are going pretty well with the wise scale and i can't complain about it i do recommend this for individuals uh, especially for blind individuals who are interested in getting weight information like their body fat index and how much they weigh even though it's not 100 accessible it's in my opinion the most cost effective way to get into an accessible scale so you can get that data Maybe you might need some assistance with setting it up, but my understanding is that you can even push that data into Apple Health. I will confirm that and let you guys know on 51, but I, I believe you can even pull that into Apple Health, which then you can generate uh, different views and see, oh, I, I've, I've gone up 10 pounds in the last month. Oh no, I need to get out and do more exercising and socially distance while I exercise. Or, oh, I'm losing some weight. That's positive. Start eating so many bag of chips, you know, that you've been tracking. It's like, oh, well, let's see. I've gained 10 pounds and food now is telling me I've eaten, you know, 27 bags of chips. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably should stop. Does food noms <laughs> integrate with health? It does. Good. Uh, so all of that information is available in health. It can also pull info out uh, that's kind of related to, say, water intake. If you're tracking your water intake uh, with another app, uh, the Wise app will push data into health. I can tell you that uh, on iOS. And that was going to be one of my questions for you was, have you tried out the Wise app on iOS yet? No, I have not. Uh, I should, but I have not yet. So I'll uh -huh. get back and it will be that. interesting if you were able to move your data somehow between Google Fit and Apple's health kit. So I don't know if Wise saves your data on the device itself or if it saves it in the cloud. So I will get back to you guys on that because I should be able to have that answer and I should be able to know what information wise is saving in the cloud and what I can pull. Cause if I, if it's saving it in the cloud, I should be able to log in from the iPhone and pull it down and import that into health. Yeah. So maybe using Google fit on the iPhone would allow you to sync data between an iPhone and an Android device, because whatever's in health, I would assume, I don't know this yet cause I haven't installed it, but I am going to install it myself. Uh, I would assume you're able to share data out of health, into Google Fit, and then Google Fit, being Google Fit, will naturally sync with Google Fit on an Android phone, which means now everything stays in sync across the two different devices, which means your step counts look good. Yeah. And your calorie yeah. intake and all of that stuff. No, no, we'll try this out and get back. And then can I carry two to phones and get double the step count? 
Uh, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> I don't think that'll work. Uh, not uh. at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what did you do about a TV stream box? Cause, mm. So, I, I bit the bullet and I went and... So, let me start a little bit in the past. Those who have listened for a little while knew that I was talking about getting a streaming service that would let me be able to watch content on it, obviously, and be accessible. I considered an Android box, but I didn't want to wait to see if this Android thing that that people are talking about is actually going to be a legitimate thing. And uh, Mallory picked up a new iPhone 11 uh, last week, I think it was. So that gave us a year of Apple TV. And I'm like, well, man, there's a couple of shows on here that I really wouldn't mind watching, but I don't want to use her phone to watch it. So I logged into tv.apple.com. That was a fun experience, especially with two-factor authentication. And I punched in the show, I think it was C, that I wanted to first start out checking out. And I'm like, okay, well, this is cool. I can watch it from my phone. Audio description was kind of a pain in the ass to get enabled, so I had to grab one of the kids to help me get it enabled. But once it was enabled, it worked just fine in Chrome on Android. So I'm like, cool can I cast this to my TV so I can watch it with Sonos? And I could not. So I logged in from the computer and I'm like, man, this, this casting from my computer to the Chromecast so I can listen to it on Sonos is buffering way too much and it's driving me crazy. So we decided that because Apple TV is supported on Amazon devices that we would pick up a Amazon Fire TV. And I almost pulled the trigger on the Amazon Fire TV 4K. And then I'm like, well, you know, Demasi mentioned to me that maybe I should look at a cube if I'm going to get jump into the Amazon ecosystem for TV because it has a little bit more power. So I opened my favorite assistant, Google, and said, hey, what's the difference in the Amazon Fire TV 4K and the Amazon Fire TV Cube? And the first thing it told me was that the cube does support the, uh, or does have more processing power and you can use Alexa from it. So Monday I will have a Fire TV Cube. But yeah, that's our TV solution. I did pick up the Amazon Cube. It'll be here on Monday and I'm excited to play with it. I know it's not new and I'm late to the game because a lot of blind people have it, but I realize not everyone has it, so I will be sharing my thoughts on it on DM. I'm gonna be interested to know what you think about it though. Uh because I Wait, how much was it? The cube, I've seen it between ninety nine and one twenty five. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is cheaper yeah, than the that, Apple TV because we we thought about that too. Yeah, it is. Uh, see, I thought it was ninety nine bucks. Uh, well, I have seen it for ninety nine bucks myself yeah. also. So yeah, it, it could be a reasonable alternative. Uh, I'm curious how accessible it is to get around and move around. I probably personally won't get one. Uh, but it could be something for like uh, a, a mom or something. Yeah, you know, like hey, you can use this thing because you don't want to use an Apple TV and the remote on the Apple TV is stupid. Uh, but you could use this thing, and as long as I'm able to help you troubleshoot it, I'm fine. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, I can actually wait for the new Google thing to see if it's going to be a real thing or not uh, before I have to buy another TV box. I don't think the Google thing, this is just my guess, I don't think the Google thing will support Apple TV. And that's the, 
like Apple TV Plus, and that's what the primary reason why I wanted to jump in on this. I'm like, well, we have this service. We're not paying monthly for it, so let's yeah use it. Yeah, pick up a device that can let us use it so we can use it and get some sort of entertainment. And we're a, a truly blended family. Um, we have uh, the A-Lady and Google throughout the house, so I'm kind of intrigued to see how well those two play together. Uh, so can I say, a lady play this on this network or whatever? So we'll see. Hmm. That'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually interested to see how the rest of this year goes with home automation integration. Uh, since Apple made a point of talking about the connected home over IP, uh, protocol that they have been working with Amazon and Google uh-huh. and a few other people on. Uh, they did call that out as a way that more devices are going to be able to integrate with your home. So I'm curious to see where that goes because like you, Wise is an interesting company. Uh, I did not realize they had a door lock, so now I have to go explore that. 99 bucks. Make sure they're not, make sure they're not doing stupid things that will let people hack their way into my house. Uh <laughs> Cameras were definitely an option. Uh, just to throw a monkey wrench in the whole deal for you, though, since you haven't bought anything yet. Anchor has cameras. Huh? Uh, really? And Anchor also has introduced some uh, home security stuff. So they have some door sensors uh, and motion detectors. Like Anchor, uh, the company that makes the Anchor, power bricks? Anchor, the company that makes the power bricks and the charging cables. Yep, that Anchor. Time to Google. <laughs> Uh, which i thought was fascinating because i don't think that i knew that they had cameras uh but they do have cameras that are home kit compliant which means they can use the home kit uh secure video thing uh i would imagine because it's anchor it probably would also work with google right. uh home or nest home or what are we calling it what is it this week google home nest right home? now Ah, okay. Google Home. Or or uh, or if we're just work. looking at the app door, it's just called Home because they can't make up their mind. Yeah. So everybody's just called Apple's is called Home, which yep. is weird because it's like, man, if I put the Google uh <laughs> I don't know what home I'm going into. Which home am I at? <laughs> whose home am I going to? And whose home am I controlling right now? I don't know. Oh. Mike being Mike will have allowed me access to his home to see how things work and then I'll be turning Mike's lights off instead of my lights. And Mike's <laughs> like, What the hell what the hell is going on with the fucking lights? <laughs> You know, I'm over here just happily banging away like, why the fuck ain't these lights going off? <laughs> right, right. So on that note, that's all I've got right now. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up this episode? I'm really intrigued to see where the rest of this year goes, and uh, we will be sharing it with you on a biweekly basis, it looks like. Yeah, man. Technology is getting interesting again. Man, we got to talk about the Apple Silicon their own custom chips and the Macs and blah, blah, blah. But no, that's all I got for this week. You can follow him on Twitter at, hey, I was actually on Twitter yesterday. Really? Uh, that's that's yeah. a first. For, for a little bit of time, I actually replied to a couple of tweets. Marco Z, uh, who works on uh, Firefox, uh, mentioned that he was tweeting. He's like, I'm tweeting from Firefox on the Mac using voiceover uh so we're getting there and yes. i was like all right yes uh, i saw that we'll we'll, yeah. we'll 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 talk about that next time <laughs> uh but anyway 
If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's at Payon, P-A-Y-O-W-N, and I am at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. Show notes, links, resources, things we discussed are all over at yourownpay.com slash DM50. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.